You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Monday, November 15th. Following a great weekend for Virginia Tech Athletics, on episode 208 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, we'll recap a blowout win on Senior Day for Virginia Tech football over Duke. We'll look back to Virginia Tech basketball's trip up to Annapolis, where they took care of business against Navy, and also look ahead to tonight's matchup against Radford. All of that and much more coming up on episode 208 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in to episode 208 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, however you are taking it in, whether that's archived on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or if you are in our YouTube channel. If you're watching archived on YouTube, YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the Tech Sideline YouTube channel, and if you are in the live stream, drop a comment or question for Will and Chris, and we'll get to those with Nick at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center, Tech wrestling season opens up this weekend against Ohio State. You can help bring Olympic hopeful athletes to Blacksburg and one of the best and fastest growing wrestling programs in the country. Go to southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. We have a happy podcast here on the set for what seems like the first time in maybe a month Mm -hmm. uh, since Georgia Tech. We've got our usual Monday crew on set. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of Tech Sideline across the way. Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline to my left. In our fourth chair today, it's Nick Brown, who I know is excited, a Radford native for the Radford-Virginia Tech game tonight. And behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land. And I'm your host, Jake Lyman. Big win for football, big win for basketball. Not much to complain about today, guys. Women's soccer, big and small tournament win. Women's soccer advancing to the the round of 32. That was interesting. I watched the very beginning of that game. I watched like the first 12 minutes, I think, whenever Tech scored their first goal. And Tech was just absolutely dominating the the early action. And I figured, well, you know, I gave it the old – first of all, I don't actually sit and watch entire soccer games. I know the younger generation does. I don't, you know. But I saw – I think they had eight shots on goal in the first – not shots on goal, but shots in the first 12 minutes. And they finally punched win, and I thought, well, this looks easy. And it wound up being two to one, right? Three to one. one. Three to one. They had like 19 shots and 13 shots on goal or something like that, It was, which is a lot. So it was a dominating performance, really. So apparently there's a pretty good crowd there, too. I I believe so. There always is these days for – yeah. For games like that, men's and, and women's games. A woman will travel to Arkansas on Friday for the round of 32. Chance is to go Arkansas to like the best team in the country? They're up there. They're nationally seeded, so they're they're they might even be number two. I think, the, two I, I, I think Tech knocked them out of the NCAA tournament within the last few years. Right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it might have been that same year they beat Texas I think you might uh, be on right. the road. Yeah. Um, and then men selection shows today at 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out where. 
uh, the men's team is going, you would assume they're going to be in uh, one sure. of the toughest schedules in the entire country, no beat number one Marshall. So uh, yeah. both teams should be playing uh, NCAA tournament games this weekend. For football, uh, American football, a big win. Get back <laughs> on track. Five and five now on the season and one win away from bowl eligibility. And uh, it may have gone away. We didn't expect it to. 48 points for Virginia Tech and over 500 yards, like Will mentioned a few weeks ago, for the first time since 2018. Right. Yeah, the first time since that uh, ill-fated ODU game. Virginia Tech had 600 yards of offense that day and, and lost by two touchdowns. And I believe it's been 43 games since they went over 500, and they went for 573, 573. against Duke. Duke will cure what ails you, you know. Apparently. And, and Tech played well, don't get me wrong. No, they did. I think I underestimated how bad Duke's defense is. Yeah, they were um, awful. But it's, it's 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 so hard to call tech games right now. Right? Last year I thought it was going to be Braxton Vermeister versus the Boston College backup quarterbacks. It turned out to be, you know, Djokovic versus versus Katum. This week I thought it was going to be Holmberg versus <laughs> I don't know maybe Katum, maybe some combination. I don't know what I expected. Instead we got Burmeister pretty much the whole game. Yeah. So. Uh, if, if, I, if I had known it was going to be Burmeister versus the Duke backup setting into it, I would have been like, okay, yeah, I'm picking Tech this week. Um, now, I assume it's going to be regular starter on starter next week in Miami. Yeah. But it was good to see – it was good to get an easy win like that. You know, you look up at the scoreboard at some point and you're like, wow, it's 27-3. to 3. This is a home game for Virginia Tech against an ACC team. This doesn't happen very often. No, no. And uh, it, it was cool. I was up in the booth calling the game for 3304 Sports and just pregame warm-ups. I'm taking the binoculars out. I'm like, oh, there's Blumrick. He's back. Mm-hmm. Okay, Burmeister's there. Oh, and there's Trey Turner. So uh, yeah. it was almost the opposite of the Boston College game where you're looking through pregame warm-ups and Where's everybody getting, at? <laughs> getting a bad feeling. Yeah, the, I guess the only guy really out was Hoffman, right? The only Hoffman, yeah, Hoffman player. didn't play. Yeah. Um, 374 of those yards came in the first half. I know a little bit of that was on that Hail Mary that came up a few yards short at the end of the first half, but Tech, they opened up the vertical passing game. They were getting good contributions from the running backs. It was really an all-around good performance. Really interesting uh, play call to spring Kashawn King for for that early touchdown on the pass. Uh, It it was weird. Like There was a wide receiver. I think Caleb Smith was a wide receiver on the outside. And I couldn't tell whether he was trying to run a route or not, but it was like the Duke cornerback just kind of attacked Caleb Smith. It kind of looked like Smith was blocking him, but it kind of looked like the, the defensive back was like intentionally locking up with Smith too. So I thought I thought it was a very, very strange play because um, it did, never really looked like King was looking – or not King, Caleb Smith, Caleb was, Smith was, yeah. was, was looking for the ball or anything like that. But maybe I was just because the the cornerback had him yeah. locked up. But at any rate, whoever was supposed to be covering King really bit on the on the run. And, well, uh, and, and with Keyshawn King, we'd seen a duo of running backs the last couple of weeks I, with Blackshear and Thomas. Malachi Thomas only gets seven carries. Mm-hmm. I remember mentioning Keyshawn King comes into the game. I was surprised to see him in there on offense, and then the very first play, he scores a touchdown. I, I had assumed the Notre Dame game was going to be his last carry. I mean, just the way the running game has gone since. So, yeah, I was as surprised as anybody, more surprised to see him in the game, to be honest with you. But there he was. He went out there, and after averaging 1.7 yards per carry for the first four games of the season, he goes out there and dominates. Averages 10 yards a carry, nine yeah. carries for 90 and yards, pull, and a long of 49. And a 47-yard touchdown yeah. reception. Yeah. So, uh, Fuente said after the game that, that he had been practicing well recently, and the way I interpreted his comments was that uh, – 
his attitude's been good. He's taking things more seriously and, you know, it just had impressive practice performances. So they thought it would be fair to play him, which, you know, I agree with. Like, um, play the guys who practice best. That's how you build a program. That's how you, how you establish uh, your expectations for your players right. and create competition and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's the standard that, that needs to be set. And a lot of carries for Keyshawn King late in that game, but Raheem Blackshear also early in the game, it seemed like they could just not tackle him. He was just running all over the field, 157 <laughs> scrimmage yards, two touchdowns for Raheem Blackshear on the day. I'm glad he's finally getting a chance to show how good he is because he is a very, very good player. Um, he's up to what, Will, 5.3 yards per carry on the season now? Uh, I let's think. see. Probably uh, and, in, in making up the roster cards about five games ago, he was averaging 3.8 or 3.9. And, and going into this game, I think he was averaging, well, we got the card right there, True. 4.9 or something like uh, right. that. Right. And I think after the pit game, he was still at like 3.7 or yeah. something like So he's jumped up not quite two yards. But you, you don't go from the threes to the fives in the span in of the, a month unless you have right. some really dominant yeah, he's performances. Been killing it. He was yeah. 4.8 entering the Duke game. It's just yeah. amazing how everything in the running game has gotten better over the last month. Everything. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a, a switch has been flipped. And some of the holes were just enormous. Um, they were massive. You know, yeah. just yeah. running into the second level totally untouched. And yeah. especially no Brock Hoffman. Lasita Smith was banged up a few times mm-hmm. in that game. He was. So, uh, impressive performance from the offensive line as well. I thought so, particularly when you consider the right guard and the right tackle for most of the game were true freshmen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Parker Clements got a lot of, of run at right tackle, mm-hmm. and then obviously Caden Moore at right guard. Braxton Burmeister banged up, wasn't sure he was going to start. He had probably his most efficient day of the year. Only 15 attempts, nine completions, 215 yards, three touchdowns for him on the day. Gosh, I know, and if he had just gotten that uh, screen pass maybe six inches higher, we'd be talking about a 600-yard offensive performance instead of 573 or whatever. Yeah. you know. But, yeah, a really good performance by him. Uh, continued to show his – his toughness to go out there and play with the entire right side of his body has got to be in a lot of pain. You know, 215 yards, three touchdowns, and also nine carries for 71 yards. Um, no sacks. Um, I, th- I thought a fair number of those runs looked like design runs to me. Yeah, um, yes. is that, is that yeah, your, I, I would say. There, there, there were a couple scrambles, but there, there were some design runs too, um, which is kind of risky considering his health situation right. right now. But, but I mean, it's also hard to not – I mean, his legs are one of the top weapons of the offense, and how do you not use your top weapon, yeah. right? Um, like People say uh, – people always talk about – they criticize attack offensive staff for running the quarterbacks too much. And people – I don't know if people are joking or they're serious, but you see it on the boards and you see it in comments to our articles about how Hendon Hooker is probably more effective this year because the Tennessee staff isn't running him as much, and that's – not true. They were running the heck out of him. Like he's had two games there with over twenty carries. You know, co- yeah. coaches do what they have to do to win the football football games. Except in this case, this year they really hadn't with Braxton Burmeister until the last you know couple weeks when he's kept it more on the read options and, yeah. and things like that. So uh, you you always want to strike a happy balance between a quarterback's health and doing what it takes to to win the football game. Um, uh, you just kind of wish – I wish the running game had been ramped up earlier this year. I wish I wish Justin Fuente had uh, spent more time with the offense. <laughs> Air <quotes>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you can define that however you want. He says it's for their confidence. I think it's probably a little more to it than that. Um, and I just wish if he had made that move earlier in the season or before the season, you're talking about a win over West Virginia and a win over Notre Dame. Yep. 
Yeah. I, I do see some irony here looking at the stats. I've got the printout of the stats. And Tech had a, had a great, great day carrying the football. 41 carries, 297 yards, 7.2 yards carry. Mm-hmm. And I, I must fall on my sword here. I think this is my fault. Um, I've been talking about how, how Malachi Thomas doesn't lose yardage. <laughs> Going in, he had 375 positive yards and three negative yards. Well, on, on Saturday, he had seven carries. He gained 18 yards, but he lost eight. So he has seven carries for 10 yards. Yeah, he was the only player who lost yardage on Saturday. It, right, the, <laughs> the only one, including Braxton Burmeister. So for some reason, I brought my calculator with me, and, and I said, what if you take Malachi Thomas out? Then you have 34 carries for 287 yards, which is 8.4 yards per carry. Yep. So so the entire team got 7.2. You take him out, the rest of them got 8.4 yards. Yeah, and I, there was the kneel down at the very end, too, so it would be even higher. Team, exactly. That is true. That would be 33 for 289, so give me <laughs> uh, a He moment. brings his calculator to the set. <laughs> he didn't even use a calculator as eight point seven six <laughs> yards per carry. If you take out the kneel down at the end <laughs> now, and Malachi Thomas. Now uh, you talk about yards per carry. I'll talk about yards per play. Virginia Tech averaged nine point seven yards per play right. on Saturday. Ohio State is first in the country, averaging eight point zero three yards per play for the season, yeah. which shows you how dominant. I mean, nine point seven yards per play is dominant. Like over the course of a whole season. It would be number one in the country by yeah. far. So that, that just shows you how dominant the Tech offense was over the course of four quarters. And there was no let-up either. It wasn't like one little stretch of the game. They were awesome. I mean, they were dominant for four quarters of football. Well, and Braxton Burmeister, you mentioned yards per play. How about yards per attempt for him? 14 yards yeah. per attempt for Braxton Burmeister. That is an unbelievable mark. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so I think I saw, uh, getting back to the yards per play, I think I saw Ox tweet that that's Tech's highest yards per play Average since the 2002 Syracuse game. 2002? Two. The one that they lost oh, in the carrier. Yeah, we, we, Brian Randall completed like 10 passes, but they were all for like 80 yards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ernest, Ernest Wilford had like almost 300 yards yeah. receiving. If you know, I may, may be exaggerating a little bit there. But no, no, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Keith Willis had like an 80 yard touchdown. Keith Willis is the, the one game. I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, well, not, no, no, Ernest Wilford too. Okay. I mean, Wilford had like 260 receiving yards. They average like uh, uh, R- Randall, play, Randall threw for 500 it. yards of that game and oh we lost. Gosh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I heard about that game? I heard about, uh, you know, of course, Tech lost. So so they, I think it was early in Brian Steinspring's tenure because he coached the... Um, it was his first year as offense, he, full year of offense. Yeah, he coached the Gator Bowl the year mm-hmm. before That's against right. Florida State. And, and I heard that that was such an emotional outing for him because they'd done so well and lost anyway that he just broke down in tears in the tunnel after the game. I think he was feeling the pressure at the time because I think Tech had lost a home game or something well, like that. Well, the Tech defense wasn't good in 2002. Oh, so, gosh. like, the offense, you know, at the, at the beginning of the season, the Tech defense was good. But anyway, let's talk about this year's team and not the 2002 <laughs> team. Yeah, we could uh, go for a while. Yeah, we could go for a while on that. It, it did seem like – Brad Cornelson opened things up a little bit more. The first play of the game for the Tech offense was a deep shot down the left <laughs> sideline for Trey Turner. They mm-hmm. took another one of those. Turner made the juggling catch on the sideline. Tavion Robinson had a deep pass. I mean, it just seemed like they were throwing the ball downfield way more than we'd it's, seen it's, as of late. It seemed like the idea was to stress Duke as much as possible early. And Duke was a mess with blown coverages and, and everything and couldn't get off blocks. I mean, they they were what their statistics said they were on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. Um, I was really happy to see Caleb Smith get a touchdown. Um, he is, as far as PFF grades go, he is the number four wide receiver in the country in run blocking rating wow. and grade this year uh, uh, for all running backs with 100-plus run blocking snaps. And that's out of, like, 
400 and some wide receivers, I believe. He's number four in the entire country. Tavian Robinson's actually eighth. So Tech's wide receivers have been great blockers this year, but especially Smith. And uh, so I thought that was a well-deserved touchdown for him. I thought it was a, like, I was really happy to see Taiwan Garbutt score a touchdown because yeah. he's one of the most popular players on the team. And you could see it. You could see how the team mopped him on the sideline after he scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I can't remember. Who was the – Chris Cotter, I think, is his name, was the yes. play-by-play guy. He said, he said, oh, this is going to be a popular touchdown. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. And uh, I, I want to make a note uh, about Garbutt and also about Burmeister. And both of them are in their fifth years of college. Um, right. They did not go through their senior day ceremonies, which indicates to me that they are both – taking the NCAA Thinking up on their it. offer and then going to play for a sixth year next yeah. season. Well, and with Garbutt, he had the issues last year where he left the team for mm. a while. It's nice to see him in what could be his final game, but probably not, probably will come back. But uh, final game of the season in Lane Stadium, a huge touchdown for him. So let's get back to the uh, yards per play thing because I actually did the uh, football stats database search. So 9.7 yards per play, that's the most since 1987. This wow. database that Hokie Sports has goes back to 1987. The most. Second most is actually 9.67 yards per play against Akron in 1995. Remember that game. The 77-27 game, yeah. And then third was the 2002 game at Syracuse, you know. And and then you go on to some others. Uh, Let's see, other notable ones. The Cal Insight Bowl is fifth. (laughs) So it's funny. So we lost two of the top five games. I'm looking. I'm looking at a list of the top ten, and two of them were lost, and they were number three and number five. That is correct, and, and all the others were one. Um, what else is of note here? Uh, a couple of them are from the Fuente era. Uh, 2018 against William and Mary, they averaged eight point five. Um, last year against NC State is seventh on the list. Actually, I believe wow. that Tech, that was big play after big play. Yeah, Tech had yeah. a really really good game. So. Uh, I want to talk about the Caleb Smith touchdown, too. That trick play, it was set up perfectly uh, by Brad Cornelson. They run the Wildcat, run it with Keyshawn King on one play, and then the very next play, toss it back to Burmeister, wide open touchdown. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of those big no-nos as a safety. Like, if you're really confused, like, you're not you're not going to be able to go up and make the tackle on that running back. Just make sure before you do anything else that he's actually running the ball before you go running up like that. But it's just... Another example of why Duke's defense has just not been good this year. Like, Duke is one of those defenses, like, generally you look at most teams on your schedule and you're like, oh, this is, okay, they're weak here. We can exploit them here and maybe here. But this this unit right here is good, so let's stay away from them. And they're pretty bad all over the, across <laughs> the board. They've got some pretty good defensive linemen, I would say. But but other than that, I mean, they're just, their linebackers are bad. Their corners are bad. Their safeties are bad. Well, R.J. Oben, he had the pick. He's been really their only bright spot yeah, on defense. Yeah. Um, and that set up Duke, but defense played well. They held them to three after that, too. So um, wanted to, let's talk about the defense. Uh, mm-hmm. 17 points given up for the third straight game for Virginia Tech. Interesting. Since the Syracuse kind of disaster yeah. on defense, they've <laughs> yeah. been consistent. 17-17. Right. They're not great against stopping the run, but you know they're 32nd in the country in scoring defense. Did you see the stat I tweeted out this morning about uh, Garrett Schrader, Syracuse quarterback? No. His game-winning touchdown against Virginia Tech was 45 yards with 19 seconds left to go. Against Louisville, the entire game he had 46 yards passing. Yeah, yeah. that was not a great day for Syracuse. <laughs> so it's uh, – I yeah, kind of no, – Sean Tucker was only okay with his performance. He wasn't even pleased. 
Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, so when you tweet out stuff like that, you tweet out the stat, and and you don't know how people are going to interpret yeah, it. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, is he bashing tech?" It's just one of those things. I just see stats. So I finished up the tweet with something like, "Oh, it's been that kind of year for Virginia Tech." Um, yeah. and yeah, Tech should have played better defensively against Syracuse, but at the same time, Syracuse made some plays in that game like that they haven't made at any point all year. So that it's like touchdown was a heck of a play by the. By I know, them. I know, and they haven't been able to do anything like that against. I mean, he couldn't complete that pass in practice, yeah. much less a game, right? But right. then he went out there and did it. Yeah, Sy- <laughs> Syracuse, they're going to have a tough time getting bowl eligibility. I believe they play yeah. Pitt and NC State in their final two. They need to win one uh, to get themselves to a bowl. You huh? can't lose 41-3. to three to Yeah. Well, it, it was the day Lamar Jackson was in attendance. He was having his number retired. It was like Lamar Jackson Stadium. was playing. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he uh, he threw on the Malik Cunningham jersey and just went out there for. So I was watching Packer Durham this morning, and apparently Malik Cunningham saw Lamar Jackson during the game and said, "Oh man, you look older than I thought you would." Or something <laughs> like that. Then he goes out and chucks like five touchdown passes. Uh, yeah, definitely not a great day for Syracuse. Louisville coming out on top in that one. Uh, for Tech, again, defense, 17 points, third straight game. Uh, and you mentioned they'd struggled on run defense, and that mm-hmm. was kind of the big thing heading into this game. Mateo Durant maybe the next best running back the Hokies would see after yep. Sean Tucker. Uh-huh. Ten carries, 33 yards for Durant. Big, big. And Ooh. also getting out to a double-digit lead is big because when you do that, it sort of takes the ball out of the running back's hands to a certain extent. Like Duke, Duke threw the ball 28 times. Like with their backup quarterbacks, and considering what I know about their backups quarterbacks, that's probably about ten more times that they should be throwing it <laughs> in a game, uh, maybe more. Uh, now, you know, Moore and Leonard combined for thirty-three carries, the two quarterbacks. Yeah. So, so, I, so it could have been something like that. Uh, Tech did schematically to maybe take the ball out of Durant's hands with the read option and let the quarterbacks keep. You know, 196 rushing yards seems like a lot, and I, yeah, it is, but only four yards per carry. So, uh, you, you know, it's not like it's not like it was. they were like Boston College in Virginia Tech and just like gashing them play after play and Tech couldn't tackle anybody and everything like that. It was it was a better performance this time And around. some of those yards came, Jordan Moore ran for, I want to say, 40 yards. He had on a 40 yard, play. yeah. That, and that was kind of towards the end of the game. And it was, it was in decided. garbage time at that yeah, point. So yeah. Hokies did a good job against the run. Also, four sacks on the day. Yeah, uh, it's the, the most sacks they've had in a game since the UNC game when they had when six. When they had six, yep. right. And the big one, Narell Pollard knocking it out. We mentioned Taiwan Garbett bringing it back on the fumble return. Um, Hokies now 5-5, five and five, need just one more win to earn bowl eligibility. Where do you see that one coming if they uh, can get it? Well, their Virginia Tech football itself is awfully experienced in this situation over the last <laughs> in the decade. the last 10 years. Right? Yeah, so 2012, 2014, 2015, 2018. You know, you're around the 500 mark. Couple, a couple of those seasons, I believe Tech was 4-6 and six and then won their last two. Yeah, some of Frank's last years were real scrambles to yeah, get to a yeah, bowl. Unfortunately, yeah. they had UVA at the end of the year. And Mike London was coaching UVA at the time and not Bronco. And, and, and I was so counting on the, that one. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, it's not an unfamiliar situation. No. Um, and look at the two games that are remaining. Um, Miami is, you know, all their games are close. Like, all the last Crazy, six games, yeah. like the, the biggest margin of victory or defeat the last six games in a Miami game has been four points. I mean, all their games are close. You think they're getting over the hump when they beat NC State and uh, who did they other? Uh, Pitt. Beat Pitt. Yeah, back to back weeks. Back to back weeks. And then they go out and play 
bad and almost lose to Georgia Tech, and then they did lose they to did Florida lose State, to Florida State. Yeah. who earlier this season I was questioning whether that actually win more than a game or two. And, um, I, and I'm a little concerned that that's a night game. Uh, I'm going to do for my Monday article, if I, can, if I can remember, I don't have anything to write this down with. I'm going to do a little research and see how Tech has done in night games down there. Right. The new stadium is a totally different vibe. Uh, that, that stadium is built – um, I haven't read this. This is my take on looking at that stadium. You guys know I'm a Dolphins fan. Miami, University of Miami, and the Miami Dolphins, their attendance isn't that great. Mm-hmm. So I think they've built that thing to really trap the noise. So you can have 20,000, 30,000 fans yeah. in there and make one heck of a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched the Thursday night game where the Dolphins beat uh, the Ravens and beat, Lamar Jackson. Beat the Ravens. And um, to go on a little bit of a tangent, there are a couple things. Uh, that, first of all, the crowd was pretty good, and they were loud. But uh, Miami's the, – the Dolphins' defense, what they did against uh, the Ravens was Miami put seven guys on the line, uh, all packed them up on the line, and then had four guys back in essentially man coverage five and ten yards off the ball. Yep. And they played that the entire game, and it worked like a charm. They totally stuffed the run. And Baltimore just wasn't to, able to do anything in the passing game. I want to say I saw they showed cover zero pre-snap 40 times in that game. Wow. And Baltimore just couldn't do anything just couldn't, about it. Just and couldn't if it was it. third and nine, they were lined up at eight yards. You know, yeah. they, they it, whatever it was, they of course, most of what Baltimore faced was second and long and third and long because they were doing nothing with the running game. But anyway, the whole point I tell that story is I'm just kind of watching that going, are you watching this, Justin Hamilton? This looks interesting. But the Dolphins are a professional team. They tackle well. Yeah. You know, they, they carried out the game plan. And Miami coming up 7.30 on Saturday down in Coral Gables. Um, and then UVA, UVA, two weeks. And you don't know Brennan Armstrong's status. I guess he'll be back by the Virginia He was State throwing game. the ball on the sidelines. Okay. He did Gin- not gingerly. play against Notre Dame. but. Right. I was thinking about that during the day. I believe UVA plays Pitt this weekend, correct? Yeah. Right. And so if they beat Pitt and beat Virginia Tech, they're coastal champions. So I thought I read, though, that if Pitt, Tech, and UVA all wind up tied at 5-3, and three, Tech is 5-1 and one in the division, and they yep. go to the championship. Has Virginia yep. lost three games in, in conference? They've lost two. two. They've lost so two. So they would have to beat Pitt and lose to Tech. Yes. Yeah. So if they beat – Pitt and beat Tech, they are coastal champions. So I think maybe benching Brennan Armstrong was more of a precaution. Yeah. Notre Dame doesn't mean that much to that team. Uh, it, you're right, it doesn't. But there's no way UVA is going to win the coastal with that defense. Uh, Against Kenny, Pitt, Kenny yes. Pickett's going to make a score sixty. <laughs> yeah, Brennan Armstrong is going to have to be a hundred percent, and it's going to have to be a sixty to fifty-five kind of thing. It yeah. might be that Wake Forest UNC game we yeah. saw a few weeks yeah. ago. Uh, should find out the game time for that one today unless it gets the six-day hold, which I guess it, it could. Uh, but most likely, I think we find out when that game's going to be played later on today. Justin Fuente will also be at the podium in a little bit here. Speaking of Justin Fuente, if that was his final game coaching in Lane Stadium, which I think you would assume it was, it, that's a pretty good way to send it off. The fans were yeah. – uh, there were no Fire Fuente chants throughout like we saw at Syracuse. It was cold. Um, well, the students are the ones who did it against Syracuse, and the students were all out of the stadium at true. halftime. So. <laughs> yeah, both, both Malcolm and his sister, in, in air quotes, froze because I just don't think they were they – were, I think most students weren't really ready. No. Your, your, your average 20-year-old doesn't understand that 45 degrees when you're just standing there is really cold. And oh, with yeah. the wind. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you talk about that being Fuente's last home game. And it was very cool that they won, and they won by a lot, and the crowd thinned out, and none of that sort of ugliness happened. 
But I wonder, it's not like I pay attention to Duke football. I wonder if, if another coach just coached his last mm-hmm. game in Lane Stadium, David Cutcliffe. Yeah, they're, they end the season with Pitt and Miami, or Miami and Pitt. Yeah, they play Miami. Miami and Pitt, and no. both of those are at home, I want to say. Okay, okay. And they're, yeah. they're just spiraling. They're really bad. Yeah, because they, they – I don't remember. Don't they play this Thursday? They might. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, um, or not, sure. No, it can't be Miami. No, they, they play Miami. Louisville and Miami. It's Louisville. Louisville, Louisville then Miami. Yes. Right, right. So the Louisville is next, and they, they have to play Louisville on Thursday night. Yeah. And considering what Louisville just did to Syracuse, like Duke's going to go 0-8 this year. And Codcliffe – it's done a really good job there, but you got to kind of think that tenure is about to come to an end. But So if you're looking at Clark Ruland's Twitter feed, he's doing this day X number of years ago. And in 2014, Virginia Tech went down to Duke and upset the 16th-ranked Blue Devils. So that was just just – a lot can happen in seven years. You know, that was seven years ago. That's where Duke was. They were ranked number 16 in the country. Yeah. Um, and as far as going back to Fuente – Probably the last game in Lane Stadium for him. And you get 297 rushing yards, 276 passing yards, 9.7 yards per play, 573 total yards, 48 points. Like, this is the type of stuff we were expecting when he was hired. And, and it kind of looked like that's the type of stuff we were getting early in his tenure. in 2016. Yeah. Remember, remember the back-to-back games against Boston College and East Carolina in his first year? I don't remember and the he, exact stat, but there was a three-game stretch stretch where Tech outscored their opponents something like 123-17. to 17. 49 yeah. to nothing, and then I think... 59-7 to seven seven, against seven. UNC. Well, no, that was two. That was the next year. Oh, was Th- it? 34 nothing UNC. Or 34-3. 34 and, and there was a huge... East Carolina game was like 64-17 to 17 or something like right, that. Right, that's what it was. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so there, it was... It was 120 something to 20. Right, exactly. So, so this is the type of offense that when Fuente was hired and he retained Bud Foster, you were like, Yeah, we're about to get a bunch of 48 to 17 games. Yeah. Yeah. And it just just didn't happen. Did not happen. But happy to see, you know, if that is his last home game, happy to see it end on, on a high note. It's a great way to go out. Hokies again, five and five, three and three in the conference, need one more win to clinch bowl eligibility. I'm going to send it over to Nick now. I think his uh, his segment today is going to be pretty basketball heavy. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see behind him Nick, a, an alum of Radford High School and both coaches today from Radford High School. Well, first I wanted to uh, do stat time with Scott, Scott Glessner. Glessner. <laughs> <laughs> he's got graphics now. He's a real good high-quality <laughs> high graphics right here. Um no, so Scott Glester said Virginia Tech stayed even on the turnover margin. It's passing. By the way, I want to say a shout out to uh, Oben for that interception. That was just that a was wild a great play yeah. and ridiculously good yeah. play. Um, Virginia Tech on Fuente is thirty-seven and nine when the turnover margin is even or positive. When they're positive, it's twenty-seven and six. When they lose the turnover margin, six and twenty-two. Wow. And, and Fuente said that you know he uses those advanced stats to tell him things like that. And he's stood up there in press conferences before, and he's like, look, we study these numbers all the time, and the single most important factor in winning and losing football games is turnovers. It's turnovers, yep. Yep. Stats back it up right there. And then another one, he said it doesn't really matter, obviously. Virginia Tech scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, most under Fuente, and the first time since a loss to BC in 2014. Wow. So we scored 21 points in that game in 2014. In the fourth quarter. Uh, in the fourth quarter. Do you do you remember that? Was that the game in Lane Stadium, Chris? It was where high scoring. BC ran for a late touchdown, I think. To I win? believe it was. And yeah. we, we, like we we scored like 
one a, like a late touchdown i think to like Bobby Hodges. yes right, yeah. right. and then uh the last one he had was virginia tech has allowed six 100 yard rushers in the last five games hmm. wow. that sounds about right yeah yeah so you have two against syracuse two, and then yeah. Two consistently after that. Yeah. Ah, so then, two in one game. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. Jordan Moore ended up running for 100 yards yep. uh, against Tech on Saturday. So yep. there you go. Uh, and then I was doing a little research here. Tavion Robinson leads the nation in punt return yards mm-hmm. with 329, but is second to Middle Tennessee's Jalen Lane, who did not have a punt return against Tech, by the way. He averages an absurd 21.3 yards per return. Tavion's second in the country with only 15. Yeah, so he, the, the guy from MTSU is way out front. He is ridiculous. I wonder if maybe he, they just discovered him after the Tech game because I know he played in that game. Yo, mm-hmm. I think Tech's punt coverage this year has been very good. Like, it's very difficult to actually get a return off against yeah. Virginia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. The coverage team Cause so I, well, I looked up uh, that Middle Tennessee game. No one returned a punt versus in oh, the Middle Tennessee game. So he, I'm guessing he was either that, back there and they just kept pinning him back, you know, okay. fair catch yeah. or whatever. So I'm guessing that he has a – he has barely enough returns to qualify for the NCAA stat <laughs> mm-hmm. and probably has a touchdown or two thrown yeah. in there that throws everything yeah. off. Yeah. But I, it, just the jump from second to first is yeah. pretty, pretty daggone big right there. And then, yeah, like you said, talk about basketball. Obviously, Radford, if you know anything about New River Valley and basketball, Radford is just dominant in basketball. And it really started with Darius Nichols, who's now the graduate or the head coach at Art Radford University with his brother Shane as the assistant. Uh, Darius leads all-time scoring at Radford High School. Shane was second until Quentin Morton Robertson, who went to Radford and then transferred away last year, um, was I think about 12 points short um, from Darius, and he dropped over 40 in the state championship game uh, that season. Couldn't quite get there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it was. Yeah, he didn't play the fourth quarter, and he still dropped or second half of the second. Yeah, the fourth quarter. Oh, well, you were talking Radford High School. Because Darius Nichols yeah. played at West Virginia. Yes, but he went yes. to Radford High School. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. So when you're saying Radford. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yes, you're so saying we're talking about Radford High School, School right now. Yeah, okay. But yeah, Darius Nichols went to West Virginia, four-year lineman there. He was three points shy of scoring 1,000 points. Shane Nichols went to Wofford four years mm-hmm. and scored 1,482 points, career points there, under Mike Young. Mm-hmm. Got his career, his coaching career started under Mike Young. Darius also got his D1 coaching career under Mike Young at Wofford. And then Mike Young got his D1 coaching start at Radford University. And he's right. also a Radford High School graduate. So give me Ooh, a that's su- a lot to absorb. And yeah. I, I've also I looked through Radford's uh, game notes last night. Mike Young's father, Bob Young, yep. was Darius Nichols' middle school principal. Yeah, and he is a uh, he just passed away, unfortunately. All right, now I'm going to. I'm going to tell you how big of a game this is for the New River Valley just by looking at StubHub ticket prices. <laughs> I, okay, know, I okay. bought some tickets last night uh, cheap. Okay. Um, so St. Francis is this Thursday. Then Sunday is Merrimack. Uh, and both of those games are $6. <laughs> and, and that's a Cor- Sunday Cornell game. on Wednesday, December 8th, $6. Um even even the pit game, which is an ACC game on January first, ten dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech Racker, Radford only twenty seven tickets left, starting at fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. See, last night I bought five tickets for nine bucks a piece, so I think I sucked up the last <laughs> yeah, the uh, last cheap ones, last single digit <laughs> tickets. But um, this is, I mean, in the New River Valley, it, it, the grand scheme of things, 
regular tech fans who aren't from newer Valley just don't see this as a big game, mm -hmm. but especially now with Mike Young and then the Nichols brothers over at Radford. And this has really developed into a, a huge homecoming game. Um, and it really surprised me that they've only played 11 times previously. I think it's funny. You know how many like elite college football coaches have come from the state of West Virginia? A lot. Like Saban and ba yeah. Bowden. Was Bowden from West Virginia? Bowden yeah. was from West yeah, Virginia. Yeah. They grew up like 20 minutes away. Yeah, exactly. A ton of them have come from West Virginia. And look at how many like these good quality, solid college basketball coaches are from Radford. Yeah. You so think. the only other thing I can add to all that trivia is that uh, Darius graduated from Radford High at, at a mm -hmm. time when I believe Ricky Stokes was coaching uh, yeah. Virginia Tech. So mm -hmm. the question was asked at the time, why didn't Stokes um, recruit Darius? He did. He just recruited him very poorly mm -hmm. um, is, is what I was told. It was kind of haphazard and unorganized. And uh, so he wound up going, I think he it's, went directly to West Virginia, right? He did. He, it's All not four like years he, there. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's like when tech recruited a uh, Pitts Noble. Uh, remember Pitts Noble who played yeah, in West Virginia. Yeah. He came to visit tech one time and somehow, despite the tech, fact that Tech only got two or 3,000 people at games back then. Somehow, Pitts Nogle end up with tickets like two rows from the top in the corner. Right, even though the Coliseum but, was pretty much empty. Right, what kind of recruiting is that? So, Darius played for Bob Huggins. Yep. And um, I was talking to my buddy Keith Watkins last night, and he was describing to me, I'll see him tonight. Uh, Keith is a big supporter of Radford University basketball, so he goes to all the games. And he was describing to me a team that is – he said, they're big. When you see this they're team, big boys. a lot of them look like football players. And he said, uh, and I can't remember exactly how he phrased this, but he said they, they like for all of them to shoot. And that sounds like Bob Huggins to me. He <laughs> yeah. always had big guys that could shoot, you know. And Nine so, of the 14 players have also transferred and are either juniors, seniors, or graduates. Yeah. No, I, I know Radford lost to UVA on Friday night. What did they do in their first game? They played Maybe. Emory and Henry. That's right, and they won that. Yes, yeah. only by twelve though. Yeah. Only by twelve. And I so, and I talked well, to Coach Nichols after that game. He was like, "Yeah, we have to do a lot of uh, you know revamping of the of team before we get to when you when you have that many transfers <laughs> yeah. on one roster. Most of those guys have never played mm -hmm. together. Before. Well, and they lost a ton of players too. I mm -hmm. talked about Quentin, who's rap for high school legend, uh, second all time scoring, went to rap for high school, and now he transferred. Once Coach Jones left, mm -hmm. and Coach Jones took a couple of his players down to UNC Greensboro. Okay, so Mike Jones got hired at UNC Greensboro. Yes, yeah. A couple. Um, so is that is that that simple for uh, Quentin Morton Robinson? Is that why he transferred because Mike Jones yeah. left? Yeah. And Mike didn't want to take him to UNC Greensboro mm -hmm. with him. So he's up at Purdue Fort Wayne, Fort, Purdue, the Mastodons. Fort Wayne. Oh. Wow, the Mastodons. Okay. But uh, yeah, so a ton of Radford High School. Malcolm also Radford High School. <laughs> <laughs> so. Just always means a lot to the whole New River Valley and everything. Uh, and uh, people have been talking about this game for you know, two weeks. I, I broadcast the Radford High School football games, and you go there, everybody's like, well, you going to the game Monday? You going to the game Monday? Everybody yeah, talks about that game. So. Well, and Nick and I will be on the call for 3304 Sports yeah. tonight. So uh, we, we'll get our Radford flair from Nick on, on the mic. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Navy win after the break, and we'll also talk a little more about Radford coming up tonight. Hokies trying to get to 3-0 and on the season. And uh, rankings come out today. I believe there's a chance Hokies could be. I believe Tech was 28th or 29th overall, like when you include other others receiving votes. Yeah, and that was in the coaches poll. I'm not sure about the AP poll. But, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, Navy beat UVA, who was 25th, and then Tech yeah. easily handled Navy on the road. So, if Tech's not ranked, you know, they'll be very, very close again. Yep, Chance Hokies end up in the top 25 later on today. We'll I, talk more hoops. I think they'll be in the top 25 when they go to New York. 
Okay. For, for, and so it'll be a ranked matchup with If Memphis. they're not today, then they will be by then. Yeah. And okay. the women are already there, right? Yes, yep. women are ranked, and they are now 3-0 and after beating George Mason yesterday. We'll talk more hoops on the other side of the break. Stay with us here on episode 208 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to episode 208 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We've already talked about the football win on Saturday. It's a happy podcast here in Tech Sideline land. We're going to talk basketball now after the win against Navy. We already talked about the Radford game tonight a little bit. Jake Lyman on set here with Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, Nick Brown, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. We were talking about how Tech could be ranked today in the AP Top 25. Will, you brought up a... a power rankings of sort uh, that was posted on the NCAA website from Andy Katz. Yeah, Andy, Katz Andy Katz does a power 36. Uh, and this is November 15th, so this is today. Um, and it, it gets posted on the NCAA website. It says Andy Katz, NCAA.com correspondent. Um, so, and he's got tech, Virginia Tech men's team at 26th. Now there is a link in here for the latest AP poll, but that's not out yet, right? Yeah, games through <laughs> through games of October 18th. <laughs> nice link, guys. <laughs> Lead me astray. Anyway, so Andy Katz has Virginia Tech 26. And the women are ranked, right? The women are ranked. They went 3-0 and this week. Wins over Davidson, George Washington, George Mason. Yeah. Uh, and our, our friend Evan Hughes was traveling all over the great Commonwealth of Virginia. He went <laughs> up to Northern Virginia for the George Washington game on Thursday. Came all the way back down for the football game Saturday. And then drove straight back up to Fairfax for George Mason on Sunday. Wait until Thanksgiving week. Like, Laser and Burnup are going to have to go New York City. Blacksburg, New York City, or, or the other way around? I Black, New York, New York, Blacksburg. Okay. Okay. Both games are – oh, yeah, right. You're right. It's in Charlottesville, yeah. Well, and Evan Hughes making a trip to Puerto Rico next week because that's where the woman will be over Thanksgiving. So <laughs> Good for <laughs> Evan Hughes. Yeah. He'll yeah. he'll get to escape a little bit here. Uh, I, I'm not sure who the well, woman will I wonder if he needs an assistant. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I might be reaching out to him. Evan's good, but he never won the Tech Sideline Scholarship. <laughs> there's, there's a technicality there, yes. It you know, a lot awarded. of people would trade Tech Sideline Scholarship, Jim Nance Award. I Puerto Rico trip. <laughs> Puerto Rico trip. Puerto Rico. Yeah. <laughs> well, men's basketball, they took a trip up to Annapolis on Friday night and a big win. Navy riding high after beating Virginia a few days prior and, and Tech really never lost control. They were in control the entire game, winning that game by 20, and the offense continued to live up to the height. 77 points on the day. So the very first play of the game, Storm Murphy comes out and throws an awful turnover <laughs> and then Tech just romps. So they got up uh, they got up 22 to 6. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I want to say it was two to nothing, and then Tech scored the next fifteen points or something. Uh, right, like and uh, I think I want to say Tech like made like their first five shots or something, and, something like that. And yeah. but then their first miss was like a point would have been a point blank layup, but it got blocked. Yeah. Um. So Tech is one of the most efficient offensive teams in the country in the half court. And I texted you, and I was like, "Geez, these yeah. guys are dialed." Yeah, in. they are. Yeah. Re- they were really dialed in in that game. Um, I think they're really good, of course, but I also I also think you know Navy winning at UVA in that first game, that'll open your eyes a little bit more, right. you know, when, when you're going to have to go play on the road um, and beat them. And, you know, Navy went 15-3 and three last year. So, 
that's a good win for Virginia Tech. It, it's funny. I, I Sometimes after Tech wins a big basketball game, I, I hardly ever read the Sabre, which is our, our sister <laughs> site. But I do whenever Tech wins a big basketball game just to see what they're saying. First of all, like all their fans on their basketball board refer to Tech as VPI because they, right. they think it's insulting to us. It's not. <laughs> Please continue to log your fake let me, insults. Let me yeah. preface what you're about to say by saying that generally the commentary on their basketball board is very it, good. It they're, is intelligent. They're knowledgeable basketball Now, they, they were complaining, though. They were like – they were like, Navy just made all their shots against us, and they didn't make them against Virginia Tech. And that's not even true. I went back and, like, Sunday night, watched some of the UVA-Navy game and compared it to the Virginia Tech-Navy game. And UVA wasn't guarding them on the outside of the three-point line very well. Navy's ball movement was good, and they had plenty of time to set up for shots. Virginia Tech got through screens really, really well. Didn't allow Navy to get good three-point shots off with their feet set and everything like that. So Tech just did a I – w- I was very impressed with how Tech defended outside the uh, I think Steve line. Lapis was the color commentator, uh-huh. and, and he was complimenting Virginia Tech's perimeter defense. Mm-hmm. I thought they were very strong getting, getting through screens. So here – you know, regarding Navy, um, if I remember correctly, they shot 9 of 19 from outside against UVA. And didn't they shoot 3 of 25 against yep. Tech? So that is 12 of 44, mm-hmm. right? Two of their players in the first half of UVA combined to go seven of seven. Yeah. Other than that, they're five of thirty-nine. Other than those two guys mm-hmm. during the first half of that game. Yep. Just got hot at the right time. So I said on Twitter afterwards, Navy's going to win a lot of basketball games. I'm probably right, but after crunching that stat in my head, I'm thinking. Mm. I don't think it's a good idea to like use two games in basketball as a point of reference for trends that are you know yeah. i mean the, the, so, they, so, navy has faced two acc teams like their schedule is going to soften up and they're playing louisville. They play louisville right three straight acc wow. teams to start off the year go navy is louisville really that good no, louisville, louisville just lost team. to who did they lose to uh Furman. Furman. <laughs> they lost to the Furman. paladins it, what is, what's been going on with the acc we saw georgia tech pitt and uva all I, lose the I'm, first night i'm not surprised that pitt lost they lost their two best players which indicates those two guys entered the transfer portal last year before the season ended. Yeah, like unfortunately, not not quite quick enough. Uh, they, I wish they, they had, I wish they entered it before they played Virginia Tech. Yes. But anyway, uh, see when your two best players enter the portal before the season is even over, that's indicative of, of a deeper bad problem. Culture, in, in something your, bad you know, something going bad's on going on there to me at least. Um, George Tech, I've said many times, I don't think is well coached. I, ca- I think they had an experienced team last year and caught fire at the right time. Uh, in a year of COVID and won, and won the ACC tournament, but I don't think they're well coached. Um, and who was the other? Oh, no, but I guess Furman is the surprising one that they would beat Louisville on the road. Furman beat that. Louisville and then North Carolina down to the wire with Brown. That, that's the thing, and we, we don't know how well coached UNC is now. Yes. I mean, you lose. You do not know that yet. That's right, right. You did not know. I mean, you remember when they hired Darty? <sighs> I mean, that was all. I mean, they had losing records under UNC fire, basketball. Yeah. It was yeah. horrible. It only lasted what two years? Yeah, they they pulled the plug fairly quick. Fairly quickly. So, and and that's the thing about UNC hires from within a lot. You know, I mean, Roy Williams was a UNC guy. They've hired another UNC guy. Um, and Guthridge, you, of course, was of on course, Dean, yes. Dean's so, staff. so if you limit yourself to a small pool of candidates because you have to hire a UNC guy. Right. Well, and that's one of the criticisms of Michigan football. They kind of are, right. are slash were the same way. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, 
I don't want to. I don't want to be Mister Gloom and Doom guy, but you know, ACC basketball, which has been the best basketball historically, is not impervious to what's going on in college athletics no. as a whole, which is all the money going to the SEC and the Big Ten. You know, you can you can eventually hold up against that, but you're going to start to take on water, and we've seen it in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, where the mm-hmm. ACC dominated at the first eight to ten years. And it's flipped in the last eight to ten years, and the Big Ten has won most of it. And in 2004, the first year of ACC expansion, the ACC had the biggest TV contract, right? They, they, they made, yes, they, they made, I believe this exact statistic was that they, they paid out more in revenue sharing than any right. other conference. Right. Um, and it hasn't changed a whole lot since then, and, and other conferences have. Yes. And you mentioned the Big Ten, the SEC, too. Alabama's been very good lately. Auburn continuing to get better. It seems like the SEC basketball scene is starting to grow as well. Well, all you need to know is that Buzz Williams has been, I'm not sure now, Buzz Williams has been an excellent coach. And an SEC school hired Buzz Williams away from an ACC school. I know it's Texas A&M and Virginia Tech. But that kind of stuff, is the the coaching talent in the SEC in particular is just going to go up and up and up because they can pay obscene amounts of money. They have so much excess Revenue. No. They can pay a basketball coach six whatever million they, and whatever not they want. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what they want to do, they can do it. It just comes down to whether or not it's worth it to them. Yeah. Well, it's been a tough start to the season for the ACC. Didn't mention Clemson almost lost to Wofford on Friday as well. So that's six teams that have at the very least gotten themselves in a scare in the first week of the college basketball and Florida team. State got smoked by Florida yesterday, right? Or was it the day before yesterday? Uh, it, it, it was. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but yes, they – played poorly and lost by something like 15 points, I think. So Hokies need to keep their head on a swivel over this next week. They've got Radford, St. Francis, Merrimack before heading to Brooklyn for the preseason NIT uh, where they'll play Memphis and then either Xavier or Iowa State. Looking back at that Navy game, uh, Justin Mutz didn't have the highest stats on the team, but I think we just got to talk about the highlight plays he keeps making. He had an alley-oop against Maine. Another alley-oop against Navy, but the main one, the put-back dunk, oh. was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Um, we were watching that downtown, and we didn't have volume. And sometimes you have to have volume to really appreciate like how big it was. Like I knew it was, it was an awesome play live, but when I went back like yesterday and watched a replay of the game with volume, yeah. like those announcers were really excited about that play. Yeah, I uh, I fell out into the floor. Um, I, I just, <laughs> Did you really? His whole his whole thing right now is that he's not a big trash talker. He's not a big flexer. I, he throws that thing down. Comes rolling out of there and just looks at his own bench and is is just yep. I love the uh-huh. reaction. Yep, right. he's he's an extremely underrated athlete. Yeah, uh, he's, he gets off the floor quickly. Um, you know, he's just he's a six 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 seven power forward who can score from inside and outside. Um, maybe he's not your traditional like Mike Young power forward. Your traditional Mike Young power forward is actually Kevin Aluma. <laughs> Because that's Keve was playing power forward at Wofford for, for Mike Young. Um, a lot of different lineup options for, for Tech this so year as speak, far as their inside Speaking guys. of big guys, um, I find myself uh, – I don't think I really did this in, in the game in Castle, but watching TV the other night, um, uh, there were a couple times where John Ojiako looked like Keve Aluma to me, where I'm just kind of – I'm tweeting and I look up and, and he makes a move. And I'm like, oh, nice, nice move by Aluma, and it's not it's Aluma, not Aluma. it's Ojiako. Yeah, um, he's definitely improved his footwork. I would say his development's been good. And, you know, last year was tough for him because they didn't get – players were not allowed the individual skill work with the right. coaches in the offseason due to COVID. And then once the season started, Ojiako was hurt then anyway. 
So uh, it was very difficult for him to make progress yeah. as a player last year. But, you know, I, I don't think he's he's not going to be like a three-point shooter like Aluma or everything like that. But he's going to be a fine player for Tech. He, he's, he'll have two more years after this. And, yeah, I was uh, going to say, where is he? In he's his... going to be Tech's starting center for the next two years. Yeah, but if, if he and continues it, to improve like this. I think uh, I think the, uh, one limiting factor is, I don't, and I said this on the last podcast, I don't think he has the greatest hands in the world. Uh, but he's becoming – like I tweeted out after one movie made, I said that post move was textbook. He just, I don't remember where it was in the context of the game. I just remember watching the move and thinking, that's how they teach you to do it. Mm. And it seems like he's developed each year. I mean, the first year he looked very raw. Last year, I remember seeing him on TV and just thinking, that's Big John. Like yeah, yeah. he's grown so yeah, much. Huge, yeah. And yeah. then this year, it seems like he's getting the technical aspect down and just looks more polished out on the floor yeah and you know mike young is on record saying you know big men develop slower than than guards um tech has been fortunate a few times to have big men that were really good as freshmen like coleman collins jeff allen uh kerry blackshear coleman collins was phenomenal we're we're all really good as, as freshmen but that's that that's that's rare yeah um just so generally you know big men have to be developed over time and you don't want to give up on them too early because you never know when the light's going to come on. It didn't come on for Aluma as far as like scoring in double figures until his fourth year of college. And, and, and good for Ojiako for being patient and continuing to work. Right. You know? I uh, want to mention Joe Bamisil. Did anybody see his uh, windmill dunk the other day? I did. I, I did. Speaking of development, that mm-hmm. was an unbelievable dunk. Speaking of guys not being patient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that well, was kind of what made well, me think Joe was one of those guys. He, he's, he's a unique dude. He's a pretty deep-thinking dude. Yeah. So I don't know exactly – how or why he makes his decisions, but like I think he played for three high schools in four years in Richmond, and now he's on his second college in as many years. Right. So that's just kind of how he is. Uh, and this brings me into I was looking through the YouTube comments uh, of last week's show, and a viewer from Japan. He didn't have a name; it was kind of just a uh, a username. But a username from uh, Japan. he is from Japan, one of our fans, and he said he couldn't ask this live because obviously he's in Japan. That show is at three in the morning over there. <laughs> uh, he asked who. Of the four that left, could have helped this team the most this season. BD, Radford, Cone, and Joe Bam. Bam, Bam, so. I would feel more comfortable if Virginia Tech had one more wing. Because they're, they're a point guard injury away from Couture going back to point guard. And then your only wing off the bench is Darius Maddox. Yeah, I really like Tyrese Radford as a player, but if you had asked me at the end of the year, you can have Bamisil or Radford moving forward. Um, I, I actually might not have said this at the end of last year, but in in learning how Mike Young puts this team together, and he's he's got five guys that can shoot now, you know, I probably would have gone with Bamisil. So Bamisil, I would have said Radford originally, but yes, I agree. Moving forward, I think Bamisil is probably the uh, Bamisil does it would not limit the offense in ways that that Radford would. Radford still I, I not being not being a great three point yeah. shooter. You, you you would I mean having five guys on the court who can shoot. I mean if you, if you can coach those guys how to pass and when to pass, you're gonna have you're gonna be capable of scoring a lot of points. But if you take that down to four players or three players, you know four is fine. But you know there were times last year when Tech only really had two or three shooters on the court at a time. It's interesting. There, there's different ways you can get a crowd fired up. And I was thinking about this when they were playing in Castle the other night against Maine. The student turnout was really good. Mm-hmm. But there there weren't very many traditional highlights. You know, the Tech had a couple of dunks. I think Mutz had a couple. They had the alley-oop. The, 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 the alley-oop to make it 10-2. to two. 
early in the yeah, game. Yeah. The, Set the tone. The first five minutes, you had the back-to-back Naheem threes and then yeah. the dunk. That was probably the highest moment for the crowd. But but in general, Virginia Tech doesn't run up and down the floor. Yeah. Right. You know? It's not Buzz Williams' team. But uh, So that's one way you get the crowd fired up is running up down the floor and dunking and things like that. Mm-hmm. But good ball movement in the half court, you know, whipping the ball around the perimeter and then nailing the People three. People can see that and appreciate it. Yeah. Or Storm Murphy, he's already done it many times this year. He's going to do that. I don't know what it's called. Where you dribble at a guy and he steps back. It's the step it's, back. It's called jumper. step back. The yeah. step back. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Has anybody fallen down yet in this young season? The, the one guy from Maine, almost the first did. time he did it, when he missed the shot, almost fell down. Somebody's he was very going close. to fall down. And uh, you know, for Watford, I know he had at least one play where he nutmegged the defender. Yep. He did. He did. Uh, Chris Paul did that last night in the NBA, too, uh, <laughs> for the Suns against the, the Rockets. It's amazing that Chris Paul is still playing. I know. I watched him play in college when I was in college. And I'm, I'm and a Phoenix a Suns level. fan. Watching last year, when they traded for Chris Paul, I was like, this dude's old. He's not going to be good. That that dude yeah. can still play. Yeah. Um, 50% from the field for the Hokies on Friday night against Navy. 42% from long range. You mentioned everybody can shoot. Hunter Couture was probably the best shooter yeah. on that night. 19 points, 5 of 7 from long range. Yeah, you know, the balance of this team and having, you know, any of those guys can go for double figures on any given night. I think we saw in, in game one when neither Aluma or Storm Murphy went in double figures. But Naheem Ali and, and Justin Mutz and Gasan off the bench picked up the slack, and even Ojiaka uh, off the bench. Uh, this time around, you had a big game from Aluma, and then you did have more Murphy have a, had a better game th- yep. this time around. But, you know, you didn't see a great shooting performance from Naheem Ali this time, and, and Gasan didn't go off for 15 off the bench like he did in yep. game one. This time it was Hunter Couture instead. You know, uh, tonight it might be Storm Murphy. So digging down into Storm a little bit, the one thing we have not seen this year is he's two of nine from three-point range. Oh, yes, right. And he's like 43 or 44% for his career. Yeah, he's a career 40-plus percent shooter. So that'll come. We haven't really seen that yet. I mentioned last week I have this theory that Hunter Couture and Naheem Aline cannot have big nights on the same day. Uh, And so far, it stands. Uh, Aline had a good night in game one, Couture in game two. I hope they save it for some point during the ACC tournament. Me too. And the Couture charge count is up to three on the season. Yeah, he had two. two I mentioned I marked that down for the podcast. Uh, Yes, I like the first one the best. I thought that was one of his better ones he's had. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start grading Hunter Couture. Yeah, why why don't we have a video, like top ten Hunter Couture (laughs) drawn charges? (laughs) I don't know. It just seemed seemed perfectly played and then, like, great call. I love it. I love it. We still need the whiteboard behind Chris with Hunter Couture's charge count. Always be drawing charges. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you mentioned uh, Keve Aluma and Storm Murphy looked better. Uh, they only combined for 13 points against Maine, 31 against Navy. Keve Aluma with 20 There was led all scores. There was a little concern about his back since he had the brace on, but I guess that fear has been put to they rest. They showed him up at Navy kicking a field goal. and, and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. yeah I think those, he's those pictures were hilarious. Coming <laughs> I actually have not gone back and looked at the Navy Twitter feed yet. But some of like this. Oh, the uh, all right. God, not, so, some some of the like the one with like Mike Young with the assault <laughs> rifle and with the sword. I assume those have made it. That one there. has made it out there. Okay. My favorite one is the one with the, the entire team standing around a Humvee with <laughs> with assault with rifles. Guns. Yeah, like that's gonna be a meme that's gonna be everywhere for the rest. Absolutely, of the there, there's gonna be some poo pooers on Twitter about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that's okay. Oh, God, those young men are setting a poor example. <laughs> yep. Well, 
It is, but that's okay. Uh, well, Kaveh Aluma, you got to the line 10 times, scored 20 points, had 11 from Storm Murphy. Uh, that's just a good road test for this team early. Uh, I was listening to Laser and Burn Up on the radio pregame, and they were saying it's it was a pretty good environment yeah. uh, in Annapolis, and the Hokies took care of it. I, th- I think it's smart scheduling. I think Tech has a schedule made for Selection Sunday. Um I don't know what's so funny. I have found the Twitter feed where Navy announced <laughs> you know, their their last tweet of the game. And, uh, yes, there is Mike Young with an assault rifle. And there's also, you lost by a bigger gap than Beatty's front teeth. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not spend the podcast. You probably going. shouldn't say that on a Virginia Tech <laughs> podcast. It, it no, was on um, Twitter. I didn't we, make it up. Yeah, we, <laughs> anyway, where were we? It's a scheduled build for Selection Sunday. All right, so. You play Navy at home, and I don't know where they're going to end up in the computer rankings. Um, but if you play them at home, maybe it's a quad three win. Yep. But since you play them on the road, maybe it's a quad, quad two. two win. And you know, Virginia Tech's home schedule is filled with with Mary Max and and Cornells and and St. Francis's yep. and people like that. But it's who they're playing on neutral court and on the road. And you don't have to win all those games. You know, just win a few of them. And that's that's really going to improve your resume. I mean, last year it was a shortened season because of COVID, but Virginia Tech had three Q1 wins the whole season, and they they might have three or more by the end of December this yeah. year, which is really going to help them in, in the computer ratings and 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 the net uh, when it comes time to make those decisions on Selection Sunday. So to me, that that's what the Navy game was. Tech played well, but by playing them on the road, I mean. It takes it from a Q3 win to probably a Q2 win or something like that. And you look at all of the neutral or road games that Tech plays before the new year. You've got Memphis, either Xavier, Iowa State, St. Bonaventure, Dayton, North Carolina, Duke. I mean, that's six opportunities to go get most likely at least a quad two win. Right. So I assume St. Bonaventure won again yesterday. I believe so. Okay. So they're ranked. What are they, like 24th? They were 23. They'll go up. Okay. So it was possible that – Virginia Tech versus St. Bonaventure in Charlotte on December 17th is a top 25 battle. Yes. It'll be one of the key games of the week cool. in college basketball. And Xavier, or excuse me, Xavier should be good. Memphis, again, they're 12, I believe, in the preseason mm-hmm. poll. We'll see where Apparently they Apparently Memphis plays really good defense. Yeah, uh, I was do. reading through some stuff on They also basketball. have Imani Bates, Imani who Bates, could yeah. be a generational basketball player. Mm-hmm. Well, and Imani Bates probably going to be a matchup for Justin Mutz, who he said his goal was to be better defensively, and yep. I think he's lived up he to wants that to, so He far. wants to be uh, all ACC defense, right? Well, yes. Yeah. Now, granted, the ACC media won't. Maybe some of them will see this game. It's not a conference game that we're talking yes. about much against uh, Memphis, but it's a chance to get that. Oh, they'll be started. watching this one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Tech, in my opinion, will unless, be ranked unless, going to this game, and, and Memphis could be top top ten. Yeah. yeah, and that's a week from Wednesday coming up quick. Thanksgiving's next week, um, and that's up in the Barclays Center preseason NIT. But again, three games before that for men's basketball, Radford, St. Francis, Merrimack, all coming up in Castle Coliseum within the next seven days. How do the Hokies avoid being upset before and maybe looking ahead to some of those bigger games? I just, uh, I don't know a lot about, actually, I know nothing about Merrimack. And I know next to nothing about St. Francis. (laughs) I know something about Radford because they're from 10 miles away. But just Radford does not look like, they have the capability of, of, of beating Tech. They, they, they kind of struggled to put away Emory and Henry, who's Division Three. Yep. Two. They moved up to D2 Oh, did they move two? Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and then you know, UVA handled them easily yep. on Friday night. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I think tech, honestly, I mean, it sounds cliche, but just show up and try halfway decently and win those three in. games. Yeah. So the the preseason NIT being in the Barclays Center is kind of cool because that's where the ACC tournament is this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Tech gets a chance to go up there and play in that facility and kind of get used to being around. Well, and the Hokies have been good in those preseason tournaments over the last couple of years. You mean Maui, Michigan State win, yeah. Villanova up in Uncasville last year. So. I've always said I wanted to like take a train up to New York to one of the basketball we events. we got to do that, dude. Well, I mean, we play UVA the same weekend. I'm probably going to be announcing something football oh, we'll coaching to, related. We'll go to the ACC tournament. Yeah, AC tournament in the Barclays Center is going to be cool. I'm hope I'm hoping we uh we can get some people up there cover that one. So um, let's let's go over this state, Jack. This this stat, Jake. This state, Jack. Um, <laughs> so November success, and they put this up during the game the other night. Virginia Tech has won 19 of their last 22 games. Now 20 of 23 in wow. November. Uh, 31 and this this was put in during the game, so it doesn't include the win uh, over Navy. 31 and 7 since 2015, tied for the 12th most wins in the NCAA in the month of November. Wow. And 51 and 14 since 2011. And of course, the wins over number three, Michigan State, and number three, Villanova. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, both top three. So Hokies hoping to get three more wins before heading to New York. And that one against Memphis is going to be tough. Xavier and Iowa State also good. Let's check in with the YouTube chat, Nick. Any good questions in there today? Uh, mostly about football. Uh, I will start with the basketball one. I, I mentioned it to Chris during our break. Hypothetical tech basketball, sweet 16 team, one game series versus this year's team. Mm-hmm. Ah, and what you've seen in two games, who would come out victorious? Man, that would be a good matchup. Because it's a big good matchup because they're two totally different styles. I mean, yeah. that team, Justin Robinson's in the NBA, Nikhil's in the NBA, Med was a really high-level college player who's played in in the G League. He's played in the G League. And, and, right. And, uh, KJ's in Europe. Exactly. So that was a really, really talented team. They love to push the tempo and get out in transition and score. This Virginia Tech team, they do not crash the offensive boards because their main focus is to get back on defense, not give up, not give up any transition points, and turn it into a half-court game. Yep. So the team that was able to dictate their own way of playing – would win, in my opinion. Um, I think uh, I think if 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 this current Virginia Tech team was able to deny transition points to the Justin Robinson, the Kill Alexander Walker team, then this team would win. Um, and now if if so, it would come down to a half court matchup. And it's not that that team wasn't good in in half court basketball because yeah. they still were. Yeah. Um, I, I would. I would probably pick the Sweet 16 team, but I think it would be a really interesting matchup just because of the differentiating styles of play. I'm mad that we can't actually see that. That would be cool. It would be. Storm Murphy against (laughs) Justin Robinson and and, uh, Kerry Blackshear against Keve Aluma. That would be great stuff. It would be. And I would love to see a seven-game series. Obviously, all of this hypothetical, but if you did a (laughs) seven-game series, I think you might get a better feel because one game, anything can happen. We've seen that before. So, uh, But definitely would be a good battle there. Uh, what do we got on football, Nick? Um, so, after UVA game, if Fuente is out, what happens for the bowl game? Does Fuente, is he gone after the UVA game? Do you keep him for a bowl game? Or what all happens? I mean, that would come down to discussions. Uh, now, the thing is, I guess if you kept him through the bowl game, you'd be firing him effective. January 1st or whatever, whatever the bowl game was. Reduced buyout. It, it, it would be a reduced buyout. 
Um, if I were him, you know, I, I expect, you know what, I'm taking my extra two and a half million and looking for my next job. Yeah, it if I was him, yeah, I would not. I would not want to do that. So hmm. then it turns over to somebody like Justin Hamilton or somebody like that. And uh, But at the same time, he's going to be looking for his next job. They're all too. going to be looking for jobs. Van, Vance right. Vice is going to be looking for his job, and Vance Vice is going to get hired by somebody for sure. Um, so you, you could be looking at a situation in the ball game where you have – some quality control guys or some GA guys move up into full-time assistant roles. Maybe even a guy like Tenuta's head coach for the bowl game, something like that. Um, That's kind of cool. Yeah, so it's it's not a big deal, though. I mean, teams who fire their coaches have to deal with this all the time. I actually don't pay attention to what I – don't, I don't know what most teams do. Well, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's just a bowl game. Yeah. Or anybody who fires their coach is not playing in an important bowl game. And, and like 10 years Typically from now, you're not, not playing in a bowl game at all. Or they're not playing in a bowl game at all, right? So it's, it's just not, it's not something that's going to be – it'll be interesting to see what happens, but it's not going to be something that's significant for long-term Virginia Tech football. All right, and then the last one, sitting amongst the FBS Division I teams, uh, where is Virginia Tech football prestige-wise? So I'm assuming this question is like where in all-time programs does Tech rank? Are they as uh, relevant as Tech fans really think they are in the grand scheme of the country, or are they just kind of an afterthought well, in most of the country? they're limited from a national standpoint because they have to play too many games against Dukes of the world mm-hmm. and games against teams with small fan bases that, who, who don't care about football. And as much as I respect what Pitt has done this year um, – nobody goes to their games. And as much as I respect how much Bronco Mendenhall has turned around UVA's football program, well, they hosted Notre Dame this past weekend and came into this game. 48,000 people there. Tech had more people for Duke than UVA did for Notre Dame. Um, So part of it is that that Virginia Tech plays in a, I don't know, small market share conference, we'll call it, where not a lot of fan bases care about football. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the Virginia Tech brand, because, you know, you saw it on ESPN this year, first game of the season against North Carolina and Inner Sandman, and then Notre Dame also a Saturday night game. I mean, the entrance and everything like that. I think Tech's brand, I don't know where I would rank it. I'd have to sit here and look at every team right in front of my face to see where I think Tech ranks from a prestige standpoint. I still think it's quite strong. I still think it's third in the ACC probably, behind Clemson and, and Florida State. Florida State. <clears throat> um, I think Miami Miami will get talked about, but Mi- Miami and Virginia Tech are never going to recruit against each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not very much, at least. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Virginia Tech has a top three brand in the ACC, and if they operate at max efficiency, then then we certainly have a chance to play Clemson in the ACC title game a whole lot over the course of time. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting question. I don't really know where I stand on it. I have a bunch of random thoughts. I don't think I have a coherent answer. Um, but uh, like one thought that again randomly goes through my head is, you know, Kansas State was a, was a great football team twenty years ago. Kansas State was one blown Big Twelve championship game away from, I believe, playing for a national title. That's right. I think it was nineteen ninety eight. It was, and they I lost think. to a Texas A and M team. They they should have beaten. Um. But I couldn't tell you anything about Kansas State these days. And I wonder if that's kind of the perception of Virginia Tech nationally. Um, 
so I'm just I'm looking at Tech's schedule. They've played on ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN two, and other than that, it's RSN and the ACC network or even streaming or FS. And that's FS1. the fault of the league, though. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just Tech doesn't play that many intriguing matchups, like I say. So one of the things that's going on is like uh, NC State and Wake played this past weekend, right? And I think right. they were ranked number sixteen and number twelve. And I believe that game was on the ACC network. I don't believe it was even on like an actual ESPN channel. So if you had Comcast, you couldn't watch. All right. So I think, you know, and if there's anybody that, that can, can correct me, go ahead. But I'm, I'm just seeing more and more of that. I'm seeing more and more games that you would ordinar- ordinarily think are fairly high-profile games in this conference, and they're shuffled over to the ACC network. That's intentional to a certain extent. Well, and you got one coming up this weekend, Virginia Tech and Miami. Virginia Tech and Miami, and they're on the ACC network where nobody's going to watch. Right, and so everybody who has Comcast and has not canceled Comcast, they want you to call Comcast and say, I'm canceling because, you know. know. My concern is that 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 could be the strategy, or it could just be we'll just push the ACC teams over onto the network. I mean, that that, that could certainly be part of it, too. Um, And the the problem is, is like, even if it is the strategy, what if everybody does that and Comcast is like, you know what, we still don't care. Right. How's so, that working out for you so yeah, far? You right. know, you've been trying that for two years now since they yeah. launched the network, yeah. and Comcast still isn't on board. Yeah, so your brand to a certain extent is tied into your conference. I mean, there's just not a lot. I mean, even if there's not a lot of intriguing in-conference matchups for Virginia Tech. Nah. Um, and that is, there's nothing they can do about that. But I still think the, the brand of the program is strong. And I will say this, and... I don't have an answer to this question, and it's interesting you bring up Kansas State because I, when I thought Kansas State football over the years, I always thought the only reason they were any good at all is because of Bill Snyder. It appears to be the case. Um, so how do people, how do non-Virginia Tech fans feel about Frank Beamer in Virginia Tech? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do they feel it's the same situation? Oh, if Beamer's not coaching them, they're not that good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do think we have some – advantages that Kansas State does not have. Um, we're in a better recruiting area than Kansas State is. Um, we have a better fan base than Kansas State has. Bigger. They have a good fan base, just not as big. Right, right. You know, like we, can, we can dedicate more resources to the football program than Kansas State has. So I do think Virginia Tech's ceiling is higher than Kansas State's. So, right. Yeah. All right, and then uh, last news, I just want to say, six-day hold on UVA for game start. Six-day okay. hold. But, uh, so we'll, we'll find out Sunday when Tech is playing yeah. UVA. But besides Which, that, yeah. the Coastal Division would be pretty much, I guess, probably maybe cleared up by Sunday. I think right? if Pitt wins, then uh, uh, that yeah, clinch. it's yeah. done. If Pitt yeah. wins, it's over. If Virginia wins, which, again, stopping Kenny Pickett with that defense not going to be easy. But Pitt's if, going to win. If, <laughs> I know. If, if Virginia does win, that could the, the Coastal could come down to that final game. So that would make it interesting. Chris, what is coming up on Tech Sideline over the next couple of days? I know we got basketball mm-hmm. tonight, football coming up. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll do a Monday thoughts today. I will. I don't think it's gonna be a monster because it was, you know, it was Duke. I'm I'm not particularly moved, but there is some stuff I want to look at. Like I I was I was telling Chris before we went on the air that I was looking at uh Tech's attendance, uh home attendance this year. And as I was looking at it, I was accumulating more and more numbers and stats and thoughts, and I'm like, oh, this is too much for the podcast. So I'll put that in um, today's Monday Thoughts. It's uh, attendance trends under uh, Justin Fuente, how many games sold out each year, what was the schedule actually like. And, of course, 2020 is not included in this discussion because it's kind of out the it's window. It's kind of an interesting week with, with two weeknight basketball games. 
Yeah. Two home week weeknight home basketball games yeah. tonight and Thursday. Yeah. Yep. Got Radford and St. Francis. I'm assuming David Cunningham will be covering those. Yeah. Yeah. He will. And yeah. it's gonna be a normal week of content. Yep. And so then, so when do when do the soccer teams play again? So Friday, seven thirty. Well, the men are. It's announced. Men, we will find out in a little over an hour here where, who, and when they are playing. Uh, women will play. What is it? Friday, Friday at seven thirty. Uh, in that's Fayetteville, at Arkansas, right? Against yeah. Arkansas. So. I'm assuming that'll be televised somewhere. Um, we, we'll let you know on Wednesday, probably. Yeah. Uh, so you can get ready for that one. We'll let you know on Wednesday where the men are playing, too. Because I feel like for Tech to get their first team national championship, soccer can just be so crazy sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Always got an opportunity. I want right. to point out that two of the four number two seeds have already lost in the first round. Right. Hmm. Wow. So, so it's certainly not out the window yeah. that – Tech can easily pull off that, and then they don't. They'll have either Purdue or Notre Dame out after that. Notre, so, Notre Dame's number three. So this Friday round, how many teams are in that round? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. So this is to go to the Sweet Sixteen. So they put sixty-four in the tournament. They do. Yeah. Okay, so it's just like basketball. Well, it's just like basketball, except for they don't have a play-in because they don't care about TV money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Three of the four number one seeds are ACC schools for women's soccer. And wow. Are Duke and North Carolina in that? No, UNC is number two. They got UVA out. is one, Duke is one, Florida State is one. Well, and Tech Women's Soccer, I want to say they tied both Duke and North Carolina and should have won both of those games. Yeah. So they've beaten, they've played tight with good teams. Opportunity yeah. for so them get on a roll, yeah. to get to the Sweet 16 uh, after a few down years for that program. And again, we'll let you know where the men are after that comes out in just over an hour here. Also, Tech Women's Basketball back in Castle Coliseum Wednesday, Coppin State, and I believe Chris Hirons will be covering that as well. So, Oh, and then wrestling, too. We, but we'll have more on that on Wednesday. Uh, but wrestling with two dual meets on Friday and Saturday, Ohio State and Gardner-Webb. So lots coming up on Tech Sideline this week. Want to thank everybody for tuning in to this Monday edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. Want to thank everybody on set as well. Will Stewart founder and general manager of techsideline.com at will stewart tsl on twitter chris coleman to my left founder and excuse me lead analyst and columnist for techsideline.com at chris coleman tsl on twitter in our fourth chair today nick brown our resident radford expert (laughs) at nick brown 33 on twitter and then behind the scenes malcolm stewart always does a great job i'm jake lyman your host signing off for episode 208 of the tech sideline podcast enjoy the game tonight hokies fans and we'll talk to you on wednesday